Davey. I'm Lava. And this is Off the Record. Welcome back, one and all, to another edition of Off the Record. If you took the under on Mamba laughing for my intro this week, you're cashing out big time. <laughs> Alongside myself, we got Mamba Smith, as always, and a pair of spotters in the Cup Series, Tab Boyd, spotter for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at JTG Doherty Racing, and, of course, Coleman Presley, spotter for Joey Logano and the number 22, Shell Pennzoil Ford at Team Penske. Mamba, I cannot believe we have wrestled these young fellers away from their busy, beautiful, rainy days in the North Carolina area to talk with us fools, huh? Yeah, it's, it's a spotters, it's a spotter show. We're spotters only today. Obviously. Wide boys only. Too. Yeah, wide boy, wide boys only. Uh, spotter life ain't too bad. Looks like Tab. Tab's got a nice little cigar lounge. And- yeah, can you give us a can you give us a tour? Because he started before we started recording. But, oh, I mean, yeah. you got some you got some good digs so, over there, Tab. Yeah, I'll give you a quick little tour. This is the this is the backdrop. You know, just for stuff like this. Whenever we do <laughs> media, you know. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> This, this is just for mama it'll roll it's a roll-up curtain it'll go away but no, got a little uh area over here got a little bourbon collection memorabilia sports stuff you know uh, just somewhere to hang out the other side of the garage is a total wreck because i've been doing a lot of fab on my hot rod today so uh there's metal and i need to sweep up there's stuff everywhere you need Coleman's in the area. Maybe he can come down before he goes back to the mountain. <laughs> I was gonna say Col- Coleman's backdrop's a little bit better, you know. Yeah, you I know? got a tree fell down behind me and a lady <laughs> carrying flowers out of the Lowe's parking lot. Are they for you? <laughs> I hope those flowers are for you. Oh yeah, that's uh, great. She went to another car. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. So sad. Oh, well, guys, so I know bad. we just got back from Vegas. It was a hell of a weekend. Pretty cold for the desert, don't you think? It snowed on Saturday. Did you guys pack your winter coats? Yeah. I, I still got mine on. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, it's, it, I'm about tired of the wind. That wind has been rough for a couple of weeks and cold weather. I'm ready for spring and, and for it to warm mm-hmm. up. Me too. I want to know, I want to know, um, when we were in Fontana, did y'all almost blow off the roof? Because it was windy and I was on the racetrack. Yeah, it was it was bad. What do you think, Owen? I mean, that's that's the worst I can remember for a while. Yeah, I, I tried to stay next to the big people to get a little bit of wind blocked <laughs> off, but no, it's it's pretty bad. I uh yeah, yeah, I was flapping in the wind like Superman cape. That'd have been the perfect year. Remember a couple of years ago, Earl had his Superman cape? It'd have been the perfect time to have that cape blowing. Perfect photo op. Yeah. They used to have a big billboard sign that was bolted to the rail and it would keep a lot of the wind off of us but man that thing was gone and put away and we got every ounce of wind there was but yeah it's part of the deal were you guys rather be hot or cold on the spotter stand tab i feel like it's still tough to deal with both of those crazy conditions right yeah i, I keep a, a bag of uh, wet weather gear cold weather gear and uh stuff on the truck so that like when we get to Pocono, we'll be spoiled when it's warm for a little while. Then we'll get to Pocono and be freezing one morning. So, yeah, you got to be ready for everything. That's kind of part of the deal. And and especially with the road races now, being able to run in the rain, you have to have some good weather, wet weather gear to go with it. Coleman, what about you, you go, Coleman? Yeah, Coleman, did you go to the 24-hour? I didn't do the 24-hour this year. No, nope. I stayed home and I enjoyed every minute of it, like watching those guys on TV freeze their tail off. So it might have been my smartest career move ever. 
What's the hey, coldest hey, you guys have like ever been on top of spotter stand? Do you remember? Saturday. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Vegas is one of the coldest I remember. Uh, a few years back, it was there were snow flurries and we were racing. But man, the wind is always what gets you. You know, the temperature is is tolerable, but when the wind's blowing, that's what that's what really gets me cold. What about you, Coleman? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think back. I mean, Pocono, it's always, you know, kind of has that coldness with the wind. Thinking back, like maybe a Martinsville or something, like when we race there at the end of the year, it's always really cold. So Yeah. Martinsville at the end of the year is frigid. Like you're excited to go because it's Martinsville and then you're like, Oh yeah, it's actually like really cold around this time <laughs> yeah. of year. And we got like what eight inches of snow there one year. So yep. Do you guys remember so we had a truck race when I was at MDM. We we had a truck there and it snowed, right? We got snowed out. Well, some guys left their tops up on their on their pit box and it folded oh, them jokers in. Yeah. Davey, because people want you don't think about it, right? The weight, but those things aren't meant to Snow's hold heavy. any type of weight. Yeah. Speaking of pit boxes, this week we walk up on the roof. I think it was it was Saturday for practice. And I don't know if Tab's seen this or not, but the 31 Xfinity car had their pit box up and like pit stall seven. And we got a big gust of wind, and it ended up in pit stall eleven. Just kept rolling down pit road. <laughs> and like it cut, it caught that canopy, and it like made it a kite. It just started windsurfing down pit road. Wow. I miss that. That's cool. There's <laughs> weird weather in Vegas. Like you had the snow this weekend, and you remember a couple years before there was that windstorm, and like Cole Pern got caught in the car cover. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, you, Dude, you think it's the desert, and it's gonna be hot, the and then you go there. there. Tab made an invention to cover his microphone that weekend, so like the wind didn't blow into his microphone. Oh yeah, a little wind helped. Yeah, help. Tie wrapped a little piece of plastic. I didn't have anything better to do. What you put a sponsor <laughs> logo on it too? I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. About Make that, that money, baby. <laughs> uh, what's the what's the um, what's the like the toughest part of your guys' job? I, there's a lot of little things that people don't think about. People will come up in the middle of a run and and watch the the track when the pace slows down is like, man, I could, I could do that. I could be a spotter. And then I say, why don't you wait till they bolt tires on at Charlotte and they're four wide through one and two on a restart. Then it's a little bit hairy, but yeah, just getting the info because there's so much happening on the first couple laps of a restart that pretty much sets the tone for that entire run and, and relaying that info. And if the car's running well and being able to, capitalize on position to me that's that's a hard part of it just just not missing anything what about you Colin yeah I think as a competitor the worst part about it is running slow because we got to sit there and watch it if we're losing spots but yeah. you know it's like <clears throat> as the job goes um to me the toughest thing is like you almost gotta become one with like the car and the driver and like those tight clears at like places like California and Kansas where there's a car running the wall and you're on the white line you got to call that clear from three lanes across and then you're relying on your driver staying in the gas at the whole point there. So like if he gets arrow blocked or if he gets, you know, free or tight, and he has to lift that like changes and you got to adapt quickly to, you know, make that call. So he doesn't come up on the guy and get right hooked. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back on off the record because I love to pick spotters brains. There's a lot of things that they do behind the scenes that the fans listening and watching don't see. Tab and Comer are going to tell us all about it. Stick around. You're listening to Off the Record. Welcome back to Off the Record. Davey and Mamba, as always, hanging out with a spotter duo extraordinaire, Tab Boyd and Coleman Presley. 
I teased it before the break, but Mamba, as you know, there are so many things that spotters do, not just on the radio, but while they're off the radio, whether it's talking to other spotters or communicating on channel two with the crew chief, things that the driver and the fan doesn't necessarily hear that are so integral to making the race happen. So after I'm done rambling now, Tab, I'll throw it to you. What are some of those things that you do behind the scenes, so to speak, to make the race and make your driver feel comfortable? Man, I, there's so much that we do during the week. I mean, is preparing your equipment, making sure your batteries are charged, making sure you have everything you need if the weather is going to be cold or hot or things of that nature. I think the preparation during the week is pretty key that nobody sees. There's also times where you'll watch some race tape and you might talk with your driver. And uh, I know Coleman knows Joey very well, and he demands a lot with, with the film and knowing what's going on. And, and that's the way a lot of the drivers are. And so I do a lot of that on my own, watching some truck races and Xfinity and trying to just remember what happened. And, and it helps to refresh your brain as you go down there. But just being prepared, because if you don't bring it with you, nobody's going to bring it to you. So you have to have to be ready. Yeah, uh, piggyback on that, like today we just got done two hours just going over choose phone stuff and and restart information and trying to pre-prep that for for what we did last year versus what we anticipate doing this year we got 15 minutes you know kind of understand what the differences are in the car but you know which really takes one or two restarts in the race before you can solidify the information that you gathered so it's just creating those conversations during the week so um you know you're not hell marrying it when the race comes so preparation during the week, I think, is 100% the most crucial thing. But, like, as far as, like, during the race, uh, going to Phoenix this weekend, we got resin on the racetrack. So uh, understanding how that changes the car when people start running in it, how high they're running in it, and then being able to relay that information to the driver quickly. Um, for us, like, Phoenix in general is very hard because our spotter stand is completely opposite end of turns one and two. So it's really hard to get a perspective of like how high they are up in it. And if they're all four tires in it. So just, uh, you know, talking that out during the week and, and relaying the information best we can to the drivers. Let's, let's, let's touch on that because you're talking about angles of what you guys can see. Right. So, you know, for instance, auto club, you guys are center of the, front stretch right so like a situation with the five and the nine we're in a couple weeks ago trying to clear somebody when you're looking at the tail and you're trying to get like you're like yeah i think you're, you're clear you know what i mean versus versus like a, a a phoenix where they're coming at you so now turn one is is hard but it's a different type of hard like explain kind of the differences between your angles on the different racetracks yeah the the angles out of turn four at a lot of places are very difficult because if we're centered up on the front straightaway and it's a trial, the, the angle on the exit is very difficult to tell. And you're really relying on, like Homo was talking about earlier, somebody's running the wall and you're running the bottom, you better hope your man's in the gas. And, and he knows, they, they know, you know, the, the drivers are so good, especially at the cup level. They know what's going on, I would say, 90% of the time. And they need that little bit of info to reassure if they're clear or not. And a guy knows if he gets tight and the tone of our voice by working with us for so long, they know that if, if it's a tight squeeze and they're off the throttle, that it's probably not going to be clear. So they know, they know what's going on. They just need that little bit that we can help. And as far as getting into one, that's tough also, you know, the, 
that's uh, the momentum, how they come off the top on the exit of four, carrying down the front straightaway, is sometimes the momentum is huge and you're just counting down like four back, three back, two back, right with you. And then you got to see if that guy's going to stay tucked in or if he's going to dive bomb in the bottom. So there's a lot of tough situations like that. Yeah, I agree. All the above, uh, it's tough. And biggest thing is perspectives that you're, when you're looking at the front bumper and the back bumper, those are the hardest angles for us. If we're looking yeah. at the side of the car, their perspective's a lot easier. So that's kind of the, the spot for dummies version of it. Y'all got the, y'all got, do you guys use the binoculars with the buttons on it? Or do you guys go like one-handed with the button on the, on the right hand? Right side or whatever. I'm, I've got the uh, the old David Clark uh, Velcro push the talk that I Velcro to my finger and hold the binoculars with. Yeah, yeah it makes us feel like drivers again. <laughs> yeah, we can we we click the button and want to complain about something. <laughs> you take the driver out of the car, but you can't take the car out of the driver. It's true. That was funny. How has spotting evolved over the years, man? I, I think that it has taken on a tremendous responsibility, uh, just relaying the info and knowing what to look for and then being able to quickly relay that info to your driver or the crew chief if it's a situation where there's going to be green flag stops and they're, they're using quick words and everybody. you got to realize the situation you're in because they're on the pit box with – all this information and things are going hundred miles an hour with them. And then they say pit, pit, pit. And you're like, did he say pit? Because everybody's in a little bit of chaos. So I think the responsibility has gotten huge, even in the last probably six years, uh, but yeah. every race uh, you want to do your best for your team and your driver. So we take, I know that I take a lot of responsibility wanting to make sure I don't miss anything for them. I'm sure from your dad's time too, Coleman, it's changed crazily. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, when my dad raced in the cup series, like a spotter flew in on race day, he wasn't involved during practice, during qualifying or nothing. It was, it, it was typically a race day thing. And, and a lot of times, like it might've been a truck driver or it might've just been someone else that was there, you know, as far as like my personal spotting stuff, like I've only been doing it six years. So I can't say I've really seen the changes that, you know, right. like tabs probably seen and being on the roof for a long time. But I think the perspective that I brought into it is, is coming from it, um, from a driver. And then like, even before that, a crew chief, before I started spotting, it's like, I wanted to bring like the preparation aspect to it. And, and knowing that as a driver, I probably got beat by under preparing myself and I didn't want to ever like do that in my profession again. So I put a lot of, a lot of pressure or effort on, on my part to making sure that I have answers when asked upon. Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, kind of piggyback on what tab says is, you know, as the spot roles change, it's, it's really been a driver and spotter, but like we work just as closely with the crew chiefs anymore and, and understanding the strategy and understanding the communication from that part and, and relaying information. Like we almost have to understand the crew chief every much as bit as what we understand the drivers and, and vice versa. So um, it, it's really made the spotter more of a, a team player and an, an integral role of the team. Uh, we always use the analogy as like, links of the chain like it's one of the links of the chains that's got to be pulled in the right direction to to maximize your effort preparation is something that keeps coming up mamba so we got to get a quick break out of the way but i want to come back and talk about that word and what that really entails stick around we'll be right back you are listening to off the record welcome back to off the record i'm glad that we have to actually do a show because this show will save us from ourselves if only you heard what we talk about in commercial break right mamba <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, pretty special. Very special. Um, so we talked about preparation and, you know, they say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. But I want to talk to Coleman because he said something earlier that you went over choose rule and choose cone things with Joey for two hours. And that's just on a random Tuesday, Wednesday during the week before Phoenix. How much of your job is preparation compared to the actual job of spotting and keying up on the radio when you do it on race day? Yeah, 100%. And it's just like uh, what I left with at the last break. You, you want to have an answer when asked upon. So it's, it's talking about like what all, what ifs might happen? Uh, what if the resin comes in sooner? What if, you know, this car's fading up in front of you and it's going to block your ear? How's it going to affect me at Phoenix versus Vegas? And, and just understanding that and, and understanding Joey's mindset with what he's felt with this car so far and, and adapting for myself. Like, so it's, it's changed. The aero models change and how you race, like air blocking is still a huge thing, but it's just different. So just trying to understand all the new tactics and and then you know obviously joey knows what he's done inside of his cars but there's 36 other guys on the track and just what i've seen and just putting it all in a box and shaking it up and and hoping we get the right answers so um yeah probably the stuff that we've talked about we'll use 10 percent of it but if you get in a situation where you know you, you see something present that you've talked about you can say hey you remember we talked about this this week and and you, you would like to thank you you're more prepared than the next guy well that's i mean that's like I remember when the when the Patriots beat the Seahawks, right? Malcolm Butler, they ran the play of the slant and were like, Malcolm, this is your play that you need to do just this. And in practice, he didn't do it. But in the game, he did it perfectly and got the interception. They ended up winning the game. So it's, it's the same situation. Now, I want to – this is what I want to know because the folks don't realize this. There is a fraternity on top of that stand, Davey. Oh, yeah. It is a spotter's oh, yeah. fraternity. And – as much as I think people think it's hard to become a race car driver, I think becoming a spotter may be almost harder in some respects because you got to have people's respect, right, to be able to get in this situation. It's hard to get with a good team in a good situation. You got to be able to know what the drivers are thinking and a crew chief. So you kind of have to be able to work on the cars and be able to have driven them. These two guys have both driven cars before. Coleman, I worked it with Coleman on it. Every time I go to the dang snowball derby, Tab's taking me around the golf cart, telling me where I'm messing up. He's like, you suck here and here. And I'm like, I know, I suck there every time. So it's going to be a long trip around like, that track because you suck everywhere. Well, yeah, it is, you know, it's a really slow. Well, we got Trulies on board with us too. So we're usually taking a slow sipping. But, but my, my, my point is here, got like, Talk about the fraternity and what that's like being a part of that, because it is very unique and something cool. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have done it a long time. And what's really cool about it is we have veteran drivers up there like Rick Corelli, Tim Fidewa, Tony Raines, and several guys that just in general conversation, you can learn a lot from, you know, whether it's uh, talking about different tracks or stories about stuff that what happened 10 years ago, because it seems like no matter the situation, stuff always comes back around and you see it again eventually. So it's, uh, it is hard to become a spotter. I, I, that's probably the most asked question I have on TikTok or, or Facebook or, or, or Twitter is how do you become a spotter? And man, there is no easy explanation because it's lifelong work. This is my 25th year traveling on a race team straight out of Ooh. high school. And so started out as a tire changer, started out cleaning toilets and mopping floors. 
for years, but yep. years before I was ever even allowed to work on a car. And then it was, they all left to go do something fun. They said, Hey, take the motor out of that car. We'll see you later. <laughs> and so that's how I learned, you know, you learn from the, to me, if you learn from the bottom up, you get to cover everything. It is so hard for like, it'd be like me wanting to go work on a NBA basketball team. It's yeah, it's awesome. I would freaking love it. But if I walked in the door, I wouldn't know what the hell to do first. You know, I mean, it's out of my element, but I watch it on TV. I think it's cool. <laughs> so it, it, it's so hard. You have to learn the rules of the racetrack. You got to know the people. You got to even know where to go. I mean, hell, some people can't make it up the stairs and get to the right elevator. So, I mean, that's a challenge in itself sometimes. So it's, it's something that has developed and and I encourage anyone that wants to do it, go to a short track. There's always somebody that needs some help. There's always somebody that's like, hell, I've showed up at a track and didn't have a spot. I'm like, oh crap, who's going to spot for me today? And so uh, there's always opportunity at a short track. So go to a short track, help somebody learn about it. And, and then you get to meet people and, and get work your way from the bottom. Yeah. I, I got to, better opportunity than tab i guess because i coach my kids six and under basketball teams so i got an inside <laughs> there you go here's the thing so i've been doing this six years and i would say that i am probably still if not the newest member on the spotter stand one of the newest members on the spotter stand so it's been six years since a- another guy's been up there full time and i always just say it's the toughest job to audition for uh, you know, like for a mechanic, you can interview them, you can put them through a process. Hey, go put this together or, or go build that. Or what would you do in this situation? But a spotter, like it's those instinct things that happen quick. And, and, you know, up until the pro invitational, it's nothing you could even practice. Like, I mean, now I guess you could jump on iRacing, but that's not the real thing. Um, so, uh, it, I always just say it's the toughest job to interview for. So I guess for us, it's good job security but um to tab's point like if you want to do it whether it's spotting or anything your local short track's the best thing like short track racing to me is the the greatest thing ever relationships are a hard thing to balance in this industry in any industry but working with your friends and then separating that Mm -hmm. professional relationship to your off-track friendship that can be a tough thing sometimes i know coleman you're really good friends with joey weren't you in his wedding were you his best man something like that right yeah, I was the best man. We lived together right. for six years. Exactly. So, like, I, I literally talk to him every day, and it's not about racing most of the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, and to me, like, up until last year, like, we had always agreed never to work with each other. And then kind of the seas have parted last year with Brad leaving, and, and the opportunity presented itself for us to work together. And yeah. it's actually been pleasantly surprising how how well it's been, but to that point, it would have never worked five years ago with my experience level and, and his temperament as a driver at the time. So, um, I don't know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Tab, I know that you need to have good relationships with the people that you work with, but sometimes if you have a really good friendship with the driver that you work with, that may not necessarily marry in the best way in terms of what he does on track and what you do over the radio. How have you navigated those relationships personally and professionally off and on track for now a quarter of a century. Not to make you feel old. <laughs> dang, quarter of a century. Wow. <laughs> he just kind of dropped that in dang. there. <laughs> that was, that was a, he draw back hard on that one. But you <laughs> said it yourself. 25 years, nothing to sniff yeah, at, my friend. I know. So probably 
16 of those have been spotting. So before that, I changed tire stuff. But yeah, it's it's a delicate balance. Just like Coleman said, uh, you could be best buddies with somebody and then you get put in a position, which is a high pressure position. And if you can't have those answers, it won't work out. So it's all about the timing. It's all about respect. You know, you gotta, you gotta understand what their goals are. So like the cup team that I'm on now with Ricky Stenhouse, we have a, a certain set of goals. Well, the truck team I spot for, for Chris Wright, there's another set of goals. You know, we, we've got to go back to the basics, learn, learn what the trucks want, learn how to navigate those races. And going like that, it kind of helps me think about sometimes you have to go back to the basics and, and go through the process. And you're like, wow, you know, that's, you forget not that you forget what where you came from, how you got there, but it's been so long and such a long process. So, yeah. you know, it's every situation is different. Every race has its own personality. So it, you have to be very, very flexible and whenever the green flag drops. Fellas, we got to pay some bills, but fear not. We'll be right back. This is Off the Record. Welcome back to Off the Record. Davey Siegel hanging out with Mamba Smith, Tab Boyd, and Coleman Presley. Fellas. All the talk of the town has been the next-gen race car. Right now, we are three points paying races, four total races in. The Clash, I think it was a resounding success. Daytona was as well. Then you had Fontana. We're just coming off of Vegas. It seems like the car races better. It seems like there is a better vibe within the sport at the top level right now. From a spotter's perspective, though, and we'll start with Coleman here, I'm curious if you think that the next-gen car racing a little bit differently impacts how you spot and you do your job. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like um, the basic stuff as far as, uh, um, you know, clear inside, outside, that's way different because the, the runs are coming different. Um, the, the mistakes are happening more. So, like, you know, you're, you're clearing in instances where last year, like, you know someone was going to hang your quarter panel. Um, so, but... I don't know how much of that is just next gen in general or just new things happening and everyone being cautious and wrapping their arms around it. So I don't think we'll truly get an understanding of how good or, or not this car is until we get to the summer months and, and, you know, everyone's had time to work on it and, and wrap their heads around it and go to more than you know, a mile and a half more than once and a short track more than once. So, mm -hmm. um, but from what I've seen so far, like a plus, like these guys are driving their tails off. How about you Tab? Yeah, absolutely. They're like Coleman mentioned uh, earlier and talking about getting prepared for the races. The the air is a little different. It, it it's the same but different. If that makes any sense, the, you have to move your car around. But the the things that happen when you move it around are a little different. So we're trying to learn what the car does in traffic. If they're able to make gains like they did, do they have an arrow a true arrow push and and things like that. So it's a uh, it's cool to watch how it's developed even in three races and everybody, the whole talk of the thing was uh, the numbers moving forward. Well, now to me, an Xfinity car looks weird because the numbers on the door. Me too. Yeah. So, and I did not, yeah. I did not think that I would say that, so, but I genuinely feel that way. It's weird. I love, I think yeah. the look is amazing. I love it. To yeah. Looks I, modern. I love it. I think the paint jobs are beautiful. The the designers on all that stuff are, are making the cars look incredible. And I think that's what it's all about to have a good looking product. And the guys are driving their guts out. I mean, those things are hard to drive 
Do you see Kyle Busch spinning out every now and then? And that means he is getting all he can get. Yes, sir. To perform. And you're having guys make mistakes because they're driving so hard throughout the race. And that's, it should be that way. They shouldn't be easy to drive. They, they should be on edge. And I, I like it. It's cool. The competition has been awesome. And, and every week it gets better and better. That's, that's, that's one, that is something that, that I feel like as an industry, we don't do a really good job about like, so people love the truck racing and they love the Xfinity racing, right? That's been a thing for a while. People have loved those two. We get to the cup deal and everyone's like, ah, you know, I don't watch it, whatever, whatever, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is that people don't know, the fans don't know, is the reason there's so much passing and different things going on in the lower series is because those guys are making mistakes mm-hmm. a lot. They're making yeah. mistakes like every every other corner almost. It, like if you're an Xfinity, like A.J. Allmendinger gets into the, into, the, into the colleague car, a guy that doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes and it shows up and that car is now up front all the time. You know, so now the cup guys, they're making mistakes all the time. And I love it because it creates different things. And now if you're an Eric Jones, right, who's more of a, a racer's driver, right, like a, a guy that can, really can get up on the wheel and make a difference, he's able to elevate his team. Now he slipped up coming out of four Vegas and it, and it hurt, but he, that's the first time that team has been running, running in the top five like that in a long time. So the, you got what you guys say about the cars being hard. I, I think it's badass. I think it's, they asked for it. So you got what you asked yeah. for, right? Yeah. <laughs> Coleman, I'm curious, since you have not been in the spotting game as long as some other guys, has Joey taught you anything? Um, I think more than anything, he's critiqued areas and, and made me better fine tuning stuff. Yeah. I, I've been really fortunate with like who I've been able to spot for in the cup series. So I come in working for AJ Allmendinger. So like very emotional, uh, you don't always say. fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, but was a very awesome person. Like I couldn't choose a better person to like start spotting for. He, you know, fully committed, always had my back. Even when I know I made mistakes, he would, you know, not say Coleman, you messed up here. Like I was hard on myself and he's like, Oh man, you're great. But you know, coming into something like that and getting my feet wet, that was the best thing ever. And then when I went to Penske with Brad, Brad was the one that I felt like truly took me to the next level. Um, just his way of thinking, like he thinks so outside the box and, and makes you, makes you want to be better at your job because you know, you know, during the week, every day he's thinking of something, something new. And, and, and I feel like he's probably been the, the biggest asset to making me better on the roof and then going to Joey you know, driving style, Brad and Joey's a lot alike. And, and Joey's been able to fine tune it because he can be open with me because we have that tough relationship. We're like brothers where, you know, we're not afraid to call each other's bluffs, whether it's him to me or, or me to him. But to Tab's point about spotting for other people, um, you know, working with Joey on Sunday, like, you know, it's aggressive from green flag to checkered flag. So because of that, like, and limited practice and, and trying to make sure your like head is in the right spot of always being aggressive. Like I didn't take a full-time truck this year just to, you know, be up there making laps. Like I took Brian priests for seven races because he's going to be an aggressive guy in the truck series, trying to win races. And, you know, like used to, we'd have our practice for three different divisions and you could right. start, you know, looking at your angles and knowing what's tough and, and readjusting to the racetrack you're at. But um, now 
I mean, shoot, we're 15 minute practice sessions and then throw your, throw the rag and going yeah. four wide into a corner on a restart. So like me mentally, I got to keep myself prepared, like in the aggressive mode. Cause as soon as you come off of it, I don't feel like I'm doing my job good enough for Joe either. So it's just different mindsets for different drivers. And, and, you know, some of us are, are mentally stronger than others, but I know like for me, I, it's hard for me to flip that switch. And now that I've worked with Joey, just, I can't go from cautious to aggressive. I'm like all in. <laughs> Mom, do you think you could be a spotter after listening to these two? Uh, okay, so funny story. Uh, I have spotted one time uh, at a big track. It was at Kansas. We were testing ARCA cars. They're like, hey, uh, we need you to go up on the roof because we got four cars and you got a spot for like three of them. And I'm like, uh okay so i get up there and there's a bunch of these guys up there right? there's a bunch of like cup spotters up there and um i'm like shitting my pants to be honest because i these these kids are you know these kids are spending good money with us and you know i'm trying to take care of them on on test day because no one's in yet and i've never spotted before and they're like yeah just make sure that you know they get open open holes and i'm like Phew. I'm like, all right, hang on, Marty. Let me switch <laughs> over to hang on. When I got to talk to you. Hey, yep, you're looking good. All right, hang on. But dude, uh, it was stressful. I would not want to do Damn. it for a, I wouldn't want to do it for real, for real. Like, let's ask the real guys. Is it normal to spot multiple cars at a test? No. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> no. No. Got thrown into the fire there, Mamba. <laughs> Listen, my butt was, my butt was puckered. I was nervous. <laughs> I was nervous for sure. But I will say, because I want to go back to the fraternity thing about the spotters. Those guys were so cool up on top of the stand. Like it was it's just a different vibe on top of the stand. Who who is who do you guys think is the most entertaining uh on the yeah. spotter stand? Oh man. Don't yeah. say one of the DBC guys, their heads will get too big. Yeah. <laughs> Stevie Reeves has always got some good one-liners. <laughs> if you need to laugh, just go talk to him for 30 seconds. He'll tell you some jokes. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends if you're in race mode or just casual mode. Like casual mode for sure. Like Stevie's funny. Rick Corelli's funny. I always enjoy watching Doug Campbell during the race. <laughs> he's all over the place. Like. And he's my teammate too, so I can say it. And like, I, I love giving him a hard time. And then you go back and listen to his audio, hundred percent calm. So like, he he can flip the switch. Oh, got to keep your driver that. calm, but behind the scenes, again, you're running with a chicken with his head cut off. You got to just get all this stuff right. done. It's not easy. No, no, you got to play both roles. Yes, dude, that's so funny. One more that. break. We got to get it out the way, but we will come back. And do I know what we're going to talk about? Sure don't. Stick around. We're off the record. Welcome back to Off the Record. You got Davey Siegel, Mamba Smith, Tab Boyd, and I don't know how you guys see this because I see him in the squares, but Coleman Presley over here too. <laughs> guys, I never loving the energy, back. Mamba. Listen, I was let's go, really, baby. I was just really dipping into my like TV guy. You know what I mean? Like the old the old TV shows, the old game shows. That was me. Uh -huh. So. <laughs> Let's talk, let's talk some short track racing because that's really what we all love. Everybody on this on this little channel here loves short track. Uh, Coleman, I think the last time the last time I saw you outside of the racetrack uh, was we were at Greenville, like outside of a cup track. We were at Greenville, I feel like, racing with X-Team. Remember the old X-Team day? That was pretty fun. 
good times. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun time because, you know, we had a, a small group of really good people, like really accomplished short track racers. And, and even that time at Greenville, you know, like I got to play two roles. I got to set up the car and then I got to drive it. So uh, I didn't have no fingers to point that race except all the way back at me. So um, I love it. That that whole era of racing, you know, the, the K&N at the time, was, I guess it's ARCA now. Arca now. Arca yep. Yep. Um, and, and short tracks around Hickory and Greenville and Tri-County. Like that's the, the greatest time you'll ever have. Like everyone has the goals to, to make it to the cup series and, and be at the top level and a champion. And like, that's awesome. I wouldn't trade a, a cup championship or cup wins for nothing, but there's something special inside of pulling in the gates at Hickory Speedway and winning there on the front stretch too. Tab, I feel like you feel about the same about Pensacola. I mean, there's a reason why if I, I race once a year, which is idiotic, but there's a reason why I always pick Pensacola and Snowball Derby weekend. It's just really fun. The vibe down there. I wish it was a little warmer, but yeah. I know that that place means a lot to you too. Yeah, that's my hometown, Pensacola, Florida. So I love going back there for the Snowball Derby and just it's like a family reunion, you know, everybody in the whole pit area, you know, from somewhere, whether it's my childhood or some a lot of cup guys come. But, man, I remember when I was a kid and, and the all pro Super Series days and we had some unbelievable drivers that, that came through racing those late models. So it was it's, it's always neat because it reminds me of, of where it all started. Tab, did your did your clock back there ding because it's one o'clock? Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, uh, well, it dinged twice, but it only says once. So I was like, "What's going on?" Things. So, Tab lost an hour sometime through COVID. He yeah. loses. It. He's only he's on twenty three hour time yeah. days. No, I'm I'm getting ready for uh, the time change already. I'm yeah. Ready yeah. <laughs> also, so we're going to Phoenix this weekend. How annoying is it that the time change is happening while the industry is going to be in a place that doesn't observe daylight yeah, savings? Yeah. Thank goodness the telephones tell you exactly what right. time it is. It just doesn't automatically. That's all I need to know. Just tell me what time it is. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize the time changes this week. I'm, I'm mad now <laughs> because I thought I was going to get home at a decent time, and now you just ruined my day because we're going to be three hours again. Yeah, because we're springing forward, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, we don't yeah. spring in Phoenix. We only spring in North Carolina and above. That's right. So that means that means when you're at so that means when you're at the bar and it's one, it jumps to two, and then you gotta go home, right? Yeah, don't spend the extra time. But last yeah. call, last call happens sooner. Yeah, last call is at one o'clock. We're all responsible adults here. Um, we would I, never do such activities. Uh, yeah, I'm not as young as you are anymore. I'm I go to the house before. <laughs> we know. I already made I already made fun of you being in the industry for 25 years once. I don't have to do it again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, I want to close talking about the, the health of short track racing and the health of motorsports in general, because as Mamba mentioned, everybody here, everybody that's watching this, it's for one reason. It's because they like racing and they like racing because they got into it probably on the short track level. The health of short track racing seems to be booming right now. The next gen car and the rising tide lifting all ships in motorsports, be it IndyCar, Formula One, NASCAR, Dirt short tracks, asphalt late models, dirt late models, it all seems to be going in a positive direction right now. We, Mamba and I, we kind of share the same sentiment in that if something's going well for one series, that should kind of lift everything up. I'll go to you guys. We can start with Coleman first. Do you think that motorsports overall in America right now is in a good place? It seems like it's trending in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, you're coming out of a pandemic where the world didn't know what was going to happen. 
and, and it's been cool ever since they've opened the gates. Like I feel like we've seen more fans than what we've seen in the, in the previous three or four years. So that's been, you know, a, a very welcome sight. Um, and then on top of that, like, as I, you know, get older in life, I pay attention to stuff like the, the TV ratings and they're up and, and then piggyback on top of that shows like this and what you two do for like short track racing and, and motorsports in general, just bringing awareness and, and bringing the passion that you love to the sport. Uh, I, I thought the coolest thing ever this weekend was, you know, like all these streaming services, like I got to watch a Hickory Speedway local Saturday night show while I'm in Las Vegas so like that wasn't around and and it makes it tough for people like you know Tab and myself and you guys that travel like you don't get to go to your short track but you still want to support it and know what's going on and what's happening and and you know the streaming services that are available like we can follow that now and the more that we can follow and keep up with local short track racing the, the easier it is for us to pass along information to encourage more people to come so uh yeah it's all the above like we want it to, we want it to be busy at our spot, but it, but it starts at the foundation and that's at the short track level. So I'm always pro, you know, helping that level and, and helping the next generation find success. Feel the same way, Tab? Oh yeah, absolutely. Whenever we go to these races and uh, you have to wait to get into the infield because there's so many cars pulling in the parking lot and there, the infields have been jam packed with campers and people going to have a good time all weekend. And, and it, I feel like it's really coming back. Even last year, it started happening a little bit. But, mm -hmm. man, this year, the, the races have been jammed up. And I expect that all through the summer as kids get out of school and people can take more trips. And, and just like Coleman said, we don't get to go to as many short tracks as we used to. But when we do, these big races like the Snowball Derby, man, you cannot fit another vehicle in the parking lot. They park miles down the road to come to this thing. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with – the the short track at Dillon, uh, whenever they have a New Year's yeah. race, and that place is jam packed, and it's it's cool to see. And then we watch some, some races on on either uh, the some of the streaming services where the sprint cars are always packed. People love that dirt late model races. It's awesome. You see a Saturday night somewhere in, in Arkansas, and you can't fit another person in the grandstands, and and that's awesome that people are getting out doing that because that's what got all of us started in this thing that's what that's what we love and we we love a good race it, it don't matter if they're racing street stocks around the walmart parking lot if it's a good race i want to see it <laughs> street stocks in the walmart parking lot cup cars in the la coliseum whatever right. it is we'll be there right whatever right. it takes yes sir we are unfortunately out of time here today but fear not i think mamba has a special package to deliver to uh the cigar garage down there with utab and um <laughs> Coleman, I think I might go buy you some flowers outside of Lowe's because yeah, come on, like you deserve. It. <laughs> uh, it's been awesome, guys. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate yeah. it, boy. Thank you so you much. It. It's been great with you guys. Thank you guys for listening to Off the Record. We will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>